Welcome to the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon. You want more. You want more of the glory. You want to live more in that walk with God. You want to see God do more stuff through you. You want to go to that deeper, just, oh, with God. That's where you want. With Assistant Pastor Chad Campbell. And what happens is when we want that and we don't keep focusing on that, we're like, God, hello, we just did this last year together. Why aren't you with me right now? Why aren't I getting what we did last year? Why am I just in this staleness right here? Join us here each week for the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. He's like, here, I know you're thirsty. Here's some water. No, God, I don't want your water. What I want is I want some, some water. He's like, here's water. But no, I want some water. I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm starving over here. Now, let's join Assistant Pastor Chad Campbell for this week's Sunday Sermon. So redemption, to pay a price in order to secure the release of something or someone to buy back. Redemption back in the day had to do with slavery. So there was a slave up on the block. You could go redeem. You could pay a price to acquire that slave or you could pay a hefty price and that slave would be set completely free, never to be a slave again. So that's where redemption um, has come from. And as Jay spoke about over the past couple weeks, Romans 5.12 tells us how we were born into sin. We were born into sin. So we are born as sinners. But the good news, Romans 3.23 through 24, for all all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his graces as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus who God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So you'll hear the term redemption, redemption, meaning we're set free. We're set free. You slave have been paid for and you are now set free never to be slaved again. Redemption. Propitiation was the price that God required. So that's the payment to God for your freedom. The difference between redemption, you're set free propitiation, the price that God demands has been paid. So when you hear redemption and propitiation, they're two different things. There's a judge. There's a story of this judge. And this judge in a small town, probably like how Miami used to be, where when people would come down, that speed trap would get them all the time. Everybody knows that speed trap, except for people who don't live here. So come down there in this town and and people kept getting these speeding tickets. And in this town, what happened was when you got a speeding ticket, it wasn't like, all right, show up to court on this day. It was, you go to court right now, 24 hours a day. So you go to the court and the judge is sitting there and you have to plead your innocence or your guilt. So this young lady, 18 years old, she gets pulled over. She gets a speeding ticket. She goes to the court and the judge stand up there. Judge says, guilty or innocent? She says, guilty. He said, which do you decide? Do you want to pay the $100 fine or do you want to spend one night in jail? She says, I want to pay the $100 fine. So the judge stands up, takes his robe off, puts it over his chair, walks down beside her, and he writes a check because it was her father. It was her father. Our God is a just God. There is still the payment that has to be made for the sin. There's still that payment. 
And this is all illustrated throughout the whole Old Testament. When somebody sinned in the Old Testament, what would they have to do? They would have to take a perfect animal. The perfect animal would have to be sacrificed. That sacrifice would then relieve them of that sin that they did. The blood is what relieved them of that sin. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. All of that foreshadows the sacrifice of the perfect lamb of Jesus Christ. You guys with me? All right, we're getting there. So if we look at this, if we look at this, we're born as sinners. Hang with me. We're born as sinners. We continue to sin. The only way to be forgiven of the sin is through the perfect lamb, the redemptive works of Jesus Christ, and the way to receive it, his blessing, is by receiving him as your Lord and Savior and receiving him in your heart. Amen? And by that redemption, each of us have a role in the kingdom of God. We all have our marching orders. Remember all this from the kingdom? I'm not going back there, I promise. I'm not gonna be anybody up. But my wife just brought up a good scripture while she was standing up there. Colossians 1.13. If we look at this, we talked about the kingdom and now we're talking about the redemption. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. The kingdom and the redemption together. The forgiveness of sins. So here's my questions. This is where we're going with this, okay? Because, like I told you, I don't just accept things. It's just whatever with me. If that doesn't drive us or make us feel amazing on the inside, ready to just go, why doesn't it? Why doesn't it knowing that Jesus Christ died for us, the redemption, the price was paid for us to be able to walk in a sinless, looking sinless to Christ, to God, why doesn't that give us that just uh, to do it. Why do the churches spend more time trying to convince people about their role in the kingdom rather than doing their roles in the kingdom? Does that make sense? Why do we have to talk about it all the time instead of out being actually out there doing it? Like we're trying to convince everybody all the time to do it instead of us just as a church going and doing this stuff. I appreciate Jesus died for me, but I'm not really sure that I accept those marching orders. You still with me? Mm-hmm. No? Or am I desensitized to it? And this is me. I'm gonna tell you this has been me from the beginning. Why do I have to love somebody just because they loved me first? I don't get that. Do you get that? Do you accept that? You need to love Jesus because he loved you first. I don't even know who he is. How can I love somebody that I don't even know who he is? Are we desensitized to that? Are we desensitized that, well, yes, I know Jesus died on the cross. I know Jesus hung. I know Jesus took his beatings, but come on, he's God. He knew he was gonna raise. He knew a couple of days he'd come right back. It's not like he really 
sacrificed his life. He's God. These are real questions, you guys. This isn't anymore about playing church. This is about let's go. Let's go deep. Let's get these questions out. Let's, let's be real with each other. He was God. So when I say that he hung on the cross, and this is this redeeming power of what Christ did on the cross, thank you. Thank you. But what does that do to me? What does that mean for us? And I hope you guys can be real with me with this because so many times it's just like, no, we just accept that because that's what, that's what it is. That's what this is. We know he did this. But do you own it yourself? Do you own it? Own it. That's where we're going. My wife told me a story, and then I looked it up, and it is a true story. I could not believe it. I should have I just, she tries to mess with me, make stuff up, and so it's always, I'm always trying to figure out, like I told you, I have to go, maybe that's why I have to study and learn everything, because she always tries to mess with my mind on what's real and what's not real. So there's um, this man and his son and his son's friend in a boat, and they're out in the boat, and there is a horrible storm horrible storm and the storm the wave starts coming and it's like the boat's going to capsize and they all fall overboard this man is faced he can only save one of them because he knows that they are both about to die so he looks at them both and he knew that his son was saved and was going to heaven he looked at his son and he said i love you and he threw the lifeline to the friend I'm like, that can't be real. The story goes, when you read it, this man who did this um, was asked to come and to tell his story at a church. So he stood up and he told the story, and afterwards a couple teenagers came up to him and like, yeah, that's a good story, but that's unrealistic. He's like, you're right, it is unrealistic. But I was that man, and your preacher was the friend. It was real. Very real. So when we think about this stuff, it's like, see, those stories seem to make a little bit more impact in us than continuing just to talk about the things that we talk about with God. It's like we start to desensitize to it. So there's a couple movements that are really distorting the whole power of this redemption and what Christ has done for us. I don't know if you've heard of what's called the Jesus Seminar. If anybody's heard of that. Jesus Seminar is a big movement, and they say only 2% of the Gospels is correct. 2% and 90% of it is exaggerated. And for many people who don't know a lot about the Bible, they're like, they're making a really good argument right now. They're making a very good argument. It makes a lot of sense. Christendom, I'm gonna explain this if you can hang with me with this. These are communities of similar Christians living life together as Christianity. It's been going on for many years. And I heard last night, um, I, was, I was watching, just researching some of this stuff, and it was, um, <laughs> it was at a Mormon conference. And this was this, and I don't know all the titles, I don't, uh, but it was one of the big shots. Um, and I'm gonna read you what, what, what it said. Um, God the Father and the Son came to the earth 
and saw Joseph. And Joseph asked them what their message was that they wanted to tell everybody. And the message was that nobody should join any of the churches of the earth because those churches, churches teach a doctrine of man and their creeds are an abomination, meaning that the devil, the devil deceived the apostles and the writers of the Bible to write what they wrote. And that the statement from Joseph is more authoritative than anyone else who's ever lived. That came from this, you can watch it on, on YouTube. So what's happened, and this is where I wanna take us back to, that what has happened is that religion, church has become about religion, not about relationship or dedication or transformation by Christ, but church is because we're supposed to. It's because we're supposed to. Remember, we're talking about redemption, okay? We go to church because we're supposed to. And if you think about a lot of the movies or pictures, you'll see people get dressed up, they go to church, and it's about being, okay, that must be a good person, right? They go to church. They are a stand-up person. They must be a person of integrity. They must be a person of honesty. See, back in the day, this is what happened, the exact same thing as what happened before. Back in the day, and I'm talking about back in the, the um, 70 AD, 100 AD, in that time period, the church was seen as doing horrible, horrible things. They accused Christians of cannibalism because of the Lord's Supper. My body, my blood, considered of, of cannibalism. And then when the temple was being attacked, they surrounded, wouldn't let them out, so then the people within the temple actually were starving, and then they did. They started cannibalism. They started eating each other. They couldn't get out. They were starving. They were trying to destroy the people on the inside. Murders, worshiping another Lord other than Caesar. Remember, Caesar came in and said, you will worship me. They're like, we won't worship you. We're not going to worship you. So this is where Christianity started being attacked, saying those people, those people, they set the town on fire in Rome, blamed it on the Christians. They started attacking all of them. So now Christianity becomes into this place where this community where we're gonna go after God together because all these people are attacking us. Started, it was about this transformation by Christ, about this transformation of what we're doing, living life together. And then as the Emperor Constantine comes in, he says, wow, look, at, I see what these people are doing. We're gonna adopt Christianity as the religion of Rome. We're going to adopt Christianity as this. Are you guys with me still? So they adopt Christianity as a religion of Rome. Now, what has happened is, it doesn't become you are a Christian because of what has happened, because of who you've accepted. You are now a Christian because of what you say. I am a Christian, so now I am a Christian. It lost the transformation part of it. It lost the relationship part. It lost what Christ was doing in our heart. And it became, I am a Christian because I say I'm a Christian. 
So as this started to happen, these people within the church, they all start getting infected with this. It's now about me doing the things that the church says, not about my relationship with God, not about the transformation relationship. It's about the deeds, the deeds that the church says that I'm supposed to do. So people started to create their own ideas of what this meant. Remember we were talking about before, I'm going to create my own kingdom to live in rather than God's kingdom. The wild thing is that all these people during all this time and this, this whole thing that's happening is even the people that weren't following God still use the Bible as what is ethical and moral. So the ethics and morals still came from what the Bible said. But it wasn't about the relationships. Even the atheists would use those type of ethics and morals. Because you have to judge against something to decide if what you're doing is right or if it's wrong. Amen? Amen. That's right. So the people started accepting something which is called moralistic deity. A moralistic deity is that there is a God but he's not involved in this world. He's not involved in this world. Everything is natural. It's not revealed. We conform, our ethics and our morals conform to what is ethical or moral in our culture. What's ethical and moral in our culture. So now, the church has lost its authority of what the Bible says. It's lost its authority of what the Bible means because it's not what the culture accepts. And now, again, you listen to the news, listen to the radio, the church is again the enemy. The church is again attacking people for what they say they should have the freedom to do. The culture is dictating what is ethical and moral. And we know by history, we know by history, when this happened last time, it infested the church. The people started accepting what the culture said was ethical and moral, not what God said was ethical and moral. An article out of Australia says, in fact, Christianity has gone from apparently being the dominant world religion to being the one religion which no one anywhere in the world takes seriously. Other religions are accepted as being at least as valid as Christianity. In fact, response to its perceived prior social dominance, Christianity seems now to be actively socially marginalized in an order to make room for these new religions. I never know when I do these messages. Is like, because God's just like, I'm just going through it for so much and God's taking me to these deep places. Does it just make sense to me? Or like, and so it's just like, boom, it just like sucks the, you know, just boom, there it is. And I never know, like if it does that to anybody else, but oh my gosh, like Christianity, move it out. Move it out, start letting these other religions in. And I'm not talking about these horrible religions. I'm talking about people taking what the Bible says and then making it what they want to say. 
You take a scripture, one word somewhere in the Bible, and then you make it say what you want to say to justify what you're doing. Take it out of context. The Bible says Jesus will give me whatever I ask for. Oh, really? Did you read the rest around it? And this is so real to us because if we really want to know what redemption is, we have to understand what Jesus was doing and why he's talking about what he's talking about and what happened because of that. We can't just accept it. I don't just accept I need to love Jesus because he loved me first. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm an earthly guy. and Maybe I'm a horrible person, but it does not make sense to me. And that's why I'm talking about this. First, I'm talking about loss because this is what God told me to talk. I'm like, oh gosh, here we go again. Second, because we're all guilty of accepting these cultural changes in our own lives. We do it. You think about it. How many times do you say, or maybe don't say, how many times do you think, because what I think is a lot worse than what I say, right? How many times do you think, I know it's right, but everyone else does it? Or maybe you say, well, the pastor does it. Or, yeah, but I'm not, I don't do as much, or I'm not as bad as that person is. I'm not that bad. We start letting it tweak us. Start letting it tweak our spirit, tweaking our life, those ethics and those morals. We accept that. So this is what God has to say about this. Matthew 26, 31 through 35. Hang with me here. Everybody okay? Doing good so far? All right. Matthew 26, 31 through 35. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. How many of us have done that? Jesus, I'll never fall away from you. Like you just, you just brought me straight out of this drug addiction. I, I am not going to turn away. You just brought me out of this poverty. You just reconciled everything with my wife and I. You just brought me my most beautiful, amazing kids ever. I will never turn my back on you. Jesus said, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. 26, 69 through 74. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, hey, you also were Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a little while, the bystander came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them for your accent betrays you. Your life says who you are. You are one of them. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. So we live this life knowing what God has done for us. 
We know that Christ died on the cross. We know that he rose again. And by that redemptive price that he paid to God, paid for me and paid to God, that I'm saved. Yet we still choose to deny him. People say, I don't deny God. I don't deny him. And that's, I, I say that too. People, somebody asks me if I'm a Christian. Heck yeah, I'm a Christian. Heck yeah, I'm a Christian. But do I always walk in the purpose that God has given to me? No. Do I deny to give money when God tells me to give money? Yes. Do I deny forgiving somebody who's hurt me? Sometimes, yep. Do I deny, put whatever you want in there. Put whatever you want in there. Do I deny it? Am I denying Christ? As he said I would. Because we're a people driven by pleasure, amen? We like pleasure. Don't try to say you don't. You like pleasure. Whatever your pleasure might be, you like it. You like it. And that's, we, we are that. We we love the pleasure. But when we do what God has asked us to do, we do what God is leading us to do. The pleasures that we receive are so much more than what we could even understand. Like, I can't even say, like, do what God says and you're gonna be rewarded um, because it doesn't make sense to you if you haven't done it. You haven't experienced that. That's like saying you should love Jesus because he loved you first. Doesn't make sense to somebody who doesn't, hasn't experienced the love of Christ. You guys with me? I told you I'm not sure about this. I know what it does to me. I just wanna make sure that I'm delivering it right. And I'm not talking about the rewards in heaven. I'm talking about your rewards every day. When you walk every day, your children, the smiling children that you may see, the smile on your own face, your home, your joy, People are like, why are you so happy? Like, you just lost your job. Praise God. I don't know. Why are you so happy? Your parent just died. They're in heaven. Amen. They're doing good. Sucks for me. Great for them. A culture constantly wants to look at what we don't have and what we think is going to make us happy to pursue what we think is going to make us happy when reality is God wants to give you the joy and the happiness that you can't even imagine, but you can't do it unless you listen. That's the kingdom. That's the walk in that kingdom. And this might fall on deaf ears because you haven't experienced it. As a Christian, when you do something and then it's just like, boom, all this stuff is happening with God around you, you're given this house. You're giving me, my wife and I, are blessed with our just the most amazing two kids that are dressed up like a princess and a power ranger at church today, right? <laughs> Blessed with them. We know that's not something that we did. That is so amazing because we know it's a gift from God. That God is what gives that to us. God is what gives us our house. God is what gives me my job. God is what gives me my friendships. 
God is what gave me my kids. That is so much more of a treasure. So much more of a treasure than me thinking I just did it myself. It's going to go away at any time. I am guilty, you guys. My wife just said it to me yesterday. You want all kinds of stuff. No, I don't, really. I just want to dress up my side-by-side a little bit that I've been waiting for for so long. I just want to put some rock slides on it, some lights on that thing. I'd like to get a trailer to put it inside because it can't just sit outside, right? I need to put it inside of a trailer to cover it so that it stays good for me. I'm just, this is stuff I actually said to her, believe it or not. But we get something, and then it's very short-lived. And the thing that we thought was going to make that happy just doesn't make us that happy. But what I know, that's from God. Because otherwise I wouldn't have it. Wow. That's a different story. That's a different story. John 21, 15 through 17. When they had finished breakfast... This is now after Christ has risen. And he comes back, sees his disciples. Comes back and he sees the disciples. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Do you love Jesus? You guys love Jesus? Are you sure that you love Jesus? Yes? That's twice. Do you really love Jesus? That's three. Now let's look at this one more time. The Greek words of what this actually says. But when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Whoa. Do you unconditionally love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. What? You know that I phileo you, which means friendly, brotherly, I adore you. Jesus says again, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Peter was grieved. He was sad. Because he said to him the third time, do you phileo me? Lord, you know I phileo you. Different type of love, guys. This is a different type of love. 
agape, unconditional love. Yes, Jesus, I phileo you, yes. And my God is asking us, do you agape me? Or do you adore me? Do you adore me? Do you, do you brotherly love me because of who you think I am? Or you, do you unconditionally love me? Yes, I am God. And yes, I knew I was going to rise again. And yes, I knew that those pain and those marks would go away. But the reason why I did it was not just so that you would be free. The reason I did it was so I could walk with you. So that you could live abundantly and have more than your heart could ever imagine. So that you could give love and so that you could be loved. It's not about just being with God forever. It's about what happens right now while we have this time together. Everybody wants to talk about when I get to heaven, what's gonna happen? Right now, does it really matter? Seriously, I mean, I'm gonna be real because everybody wants to talk about when I get to heaven, many mansions, everybody's got a room, all this other kind of stuff. What about now? What about right now? Am I supposed to live a miserable life now knowing that I'm going to heaven later? No. To live abundantly, walking with God, loving each other, helping each other, experience those rewards inside of us every day just by listening to what God wants you to do and just by playing your part in the kingdom. Do you agape me? So then John 21, 18, 19, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, this is still Jesus with Peter, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But now that you're old, now that you're a Christian, now that you've heard my word, now that you've grown, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And he said this to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after that, he said, now follow me. So when you were young and you're just learning about God, you're just learning about Christianity, yeah, go ahead, do your things. You'll catch on. You'll catch on. I know you're, you know you're supposed to love me. You don't get it yet. Keep walking. You're gonna understand this. I know you don't know exactly what your role is and what to do. Keep hanging. You're gonna get it. Boom, I get it, God. Good. Now, I get to dress you. Now, your hands are stretched out. Now, you're probably not gonna like some of the things that people say about you or throw at you. Now, I'm gonna take you a place you probably don't wanna go because you don't understand. You will, but you don't understand right now. You have a purpose, Peter, that you must fulfill. Chad, you have a purpose that you must fulfill. Sonny, you have a purpose that you must fulfill. We have a purpose that we must fulfill. And we'll be crucified for it. You will. Now, follow me. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? For reals? You'll get it. 
follow me. Follow me. But why do I have to do this? Why can't I do that? What about that? I want to do that. Why can't that person do that? I don't want to do that. That person can do it better than I can. Look at that person. They're not even sacrificing anything for you right now. Get them. I'm already doing all this. Get that person to do that. John 21, 20 says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about that dude? What about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? What is that to you? You follow me. Follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that, his, that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? We see it all the time. I even saw an article with Tom Brady saying that, uh, they say that Tom Brady is just trying to um, win the approval of Bill Belichick. So that's his goal, is just to win his approval. And as a coach, many people will know, as a coach, your players, they will, they will, do, they will fight to make that coach happy. They will fight to get the approval of that coach. And many times, they just want the approval of the coach. They don't even care about the win. They just want the, the coach to say, good job. Good job. Good job, my faithful servant. When we do our purpose or we trust in God and do what he's asked us to do, that, that inside of us is greater than anything else. Mark 4, 11 through 12. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. People are not gonna understand what you know. Once you start experiencing God and you start experiencing this walk, walk with Christ and you're like, let me tell you about something. You need to love Jesus. What? Whatever. You need to live this life and figure out what it is that God has for you to do in the kingdom. I'm just trying to get through work. What you want me else? To, what else you want me to do? They don't understand it. You're grown. You do. You do understand it. We are still supposed to spread that, but we have to be sensitive to who we're talking to. The more of God you experience, the more you want. And this is, this is huge for me, and I hope that this makes sense, is that when you crave something, when you crave something, and you get the little bit of it, what do you want? You want more. You want more, and you want more, and you want more. And we always associate this with drugs or alcohol or spending money, like my wife says to me, right? Or you just, you, like you just want to do more and more and more. When you start to experience God in your life and you experience what God is doing through you, unfortunately, it is an inexhaustible want. You want more. You want more of the glory. You want to live more in that walk with God. You want to see God do more stuff through you. You want to go to that deeper, just 
oh, with God. That's where you want. And what happens is when we want that and we don't keep focusing on that, we're like, God, hello, we just did this last year together. Why aren't you with me right now? Why aren't I getting what we did last year? Why am I just in this staleness right here? He's like, here, I know you're thirsty. Here's some water. No, God, I don't want your water. What I want is I want some, some water. He's like, here's the water. But no, I want some water. I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm starving over here. I'm trying to show you, Chad. Here, let's go. I need some water first because I can't go run because I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. So I get dehydrated and I can last a while, right? I can last a while. Even if I'm dehydrated, I can run and I can keep on going. And then all of a sudden, my legs are going to start to buckle out. They're going to give out. And I'm going to hit the floor. God, why'd you leave me? I'm trying to show you here. I'm trying to take you to this place. I'm trying to get you to go over here so that you can get that water, you can get that food. I'm trying to do this with you, but you keep telling me that you're too busy. You keep telling me that you've got this to do instead. Quit looking. And the thing that I, that from our kingdom talk, when I, I feel like that, it's like just stop, just stop. And the reverence, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Go back to it. Go back to it because when we talk about redemption, we have to understand not just that God did it, but we have to understand why he did it. We have to understand the why. For me, I live in this triangle. And I, I, I call it my triangle. Home, work, church. Like, if there's something outside of that, I don't even know what it is. And to, I've lived here now 22 years. 22 years. I still cannot tell you the roads in Globe, except for Broad Street. And that's because I have to write it on the address of our office. I cannot tell you all those different roads because I don't, I don't see it. I'm focused on my own triangle. And I had a lady that came in who deals with all these sexually abused kids. And so she deals with the sexually abused kids and the kids who are sexual predators on younger kids. And she's like, I know that this is what God wants me to do. I know this is what God wants me to do. Why can't I be happy? Why can't I just be happy? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Maybe I shouldn't do that. I just want to be happy. And then me over here, I'm upset because last year's daddy-daughter dance, my daughter wouldn't dance with me. <laughs> I got my dance this year, by the way. I got it. We went last Friday. I was like, baby girl, you know you have to dance with me. She's like, I got distracted last year, daddy. I won't get distracted again. I was like... <laughs> Okay, I'm not getting what I think I should get out of this. Maybe I shouldn't do it anymore. So the redemption is not about just understanding what God did for us, it's about why he did it. If we don't accept the why, and we don't accept the sacrifice, 
then we're just going to say, well, he was God. He knew he was going to rise again anyways. The sacrifice so that he can walk with you, so that he can be with you, so that you can have that joy, so that you can see the things that you wouldn't have otherwise seen, and so that you can do your purpose in the kingdom of God that you may not have otherwise known. Because we need each other. Otherwise, the culture and the moral and those ethics are gonna invade the church as history has shown. And so now parts of the Bible will be taken out. Now abortion is perfectly fine because culture says it's fine. It's okay to steal if I need it. All of those things infest the church again. What's happening right now is that the church as the legalistic aspect of it, we do this, you do this, you do this, is being challenged, which is good because it's about relationship with you and God. It's about relationship of the church and this community. It's about the relationship of the transformation of our spirit. That's what Christ came for, the transformation of the spirit. So that's good. But as a church, we have to stand together and not allow the cultural okays to invade your heart or your spirit. Only you can do that. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed meaning joyful are those who recognize that they are in need of God's help. When we receive something, we know who it comes from. It comes from God. It comes from God. We met with, um, we went to, uh, um, I don't remember where we went the other day, but on the way home, oh, we went to the zoo. And on the way home, we stopped at Chick-fil-A. And when we got Chick-fil-A, um, one of the guys who used to come to our church, people know, Sonny Shipman, was, he was walking in with us at the same time. And Sonny now is going overseas and, and preaching and, and doing all kinds of stuff over there. Um, but what was so cool was he couldn't even talk to us anymore without crying. Like, he's just like, God is so amazing. I just want to tell you. And he just started bawling. He's like, you didn't know I was going to be a baby. I'm like, you are. You're like being a baby right now. Just spit it out. Get this out. Tell us what you got to tell us. He couldn't stop crying. He just kept crying. He's like, I just want more. I'm like, how often do you go? He's like, well, I'm going again next January. And he's just that's all, like, he's just like, I want more. I want to be in more. What I've seen, I just want to see more. He's telling us about a story of this lady who was, had cancer, was in so much pain, and they went and prayed for her, and she had no more pain, and she died two, late, two days later. But she didn't have any more pain. And he's just like, he's seen these things, and he's just experiencing all of these experiences. He's like, I want more, I want more, I want more. But it all started with one step. All started with him doing one thing first, to experience what God had for him to understand his role. He started out doing magic, telling people about the story of God, the gospel for kids. Like, you still doing magic? He's like, no, I hate that stuff. I don't even want to do that. I only do it just so I can tell the gospel if I have to. But that one thing he started out with, he didn't know where he was going to be going or what God was going to be doing with him or how rewarding that would be. 
And the one thing that he desires the most in his heart, he still can't get. The one thing that he wants more than anything else in this world, he can't change it. And it still hasn't happened. Well, I'm doing all this for you, God. Why aren't you changing this one thing? It's not for you to worry about. That's not for you to worry about. David tried to fix things his own with Bathsheba. Remember what happened with that? He ended up killing Uriah. When we're able to just trust God, okay, I want to make this step. Make it a baby step, make it a giant step, whatever you want to make it. Tell me what it is. Show me what it is. You'll know. You'll know. And then you start to get to making that step. So understanding redemption means Understanding, yes, that Jesus died for us. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. You're the slave. He paid the redeeming price. You can never be put back into slavery. But it's also so that you can walk with him. So that you can walk with him every day. So he can guide you. And he can give you that abundant life. So he can show us what is outside of our triangle that we would never otherwise understand or get to experience. So we think about redemption. We have the horrible picture of Christ. Now, picture him stepping off of that cross and coming and walking hand in hand with you because of it. Thank you for joining us today here at the Living Waters Church in Globe, Arizona. We hope you enjoyed the message. May you have a great week and may everything you do be blessed by God.